Amen. But church, good morning. Good morning to each and every one of you. Bow your heads. Let's pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are the firm foundation. Upon you is where we find our endurance. Upon you is where we find our strength. Upon you is where we find growth. So Father, today remind us that you are the firm foundation. And you build the house strong. You build the house to withstand anything and everything. And Father, today I pray that your word would fall into our hearts and it would produce a sense of newness. It would produce a sense of transformation as I always pray every, every single time. Lord, I pray that we would walk out different than how we came in. We would walk out with a sense of your presence. We would walk out with a sense of your promises. We would walk out with a sense of your power at work within us today. Lord, we call on you. Lord, we need you. Today, Lord, we need you. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next year. Today, Lord, at this moment, in this hour, we need you. We need your power. We need all that is in you to be within us. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we love you. It's in Christ's perfect name. It's who we pray. Amen. 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 Good morning, Christ Church. Good to see you beautiful people. I don't need this player. Good to see you beautiful people today. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. Thank you guys for being here. As you guys know, today is Father's Day. I want to say happy Father's Day to all the daddies out there, to all the papas, man. And I don't, I'm not going to go too deep into this, but we know that we live in a very fatherless generation, and we want to acknowledge all the dads who step up, all the dads who love, all the dads who instruct, all of that. So we just want to say Thank you to all the fathers. But also we know that Father's Day, amen, amen, amen. Give it up for the fathers. You're going to clap, commit to it. But also we know that Father's Day can be a, a bit of a tricky day for some of us. Uh, and for Father's Day, for some of us, it's, it's a day that brings a lot of emotion or it brings a lot of anger, whatever it may be. We want you to know that we acknowledge you, that we see you also. But also to remind you that there's this guy that's named, he is the Heavenly Father who loves you perfectly who loves you securely, who, who always protects and always provides and who cares about you. Amen? Well, church, amen. Y'all come in. Y'all clapping today. Sarah, you've been warming them up for me. Okay, I see you, girl. Well, hey, guys, we're going to continue in the sermon series that we started last week, and I got a lot to say, so get yourself comfortable, all right? I'm a black preacher. We like to preach long. We like to sweat, and we like to yell, so just get ready. It's coming right at you. We're going to continue in this sermon series. You're like, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know what to do with this. Can I say something? I mean, uh, the climate nowadays. But um, we're so happy to have you guys here with us. But we're going to continue in this series called The Man in the Arena. And what we want to do in this series, we want to get you to understand God has prepared a life for you, and we want you to connect to that. God has prepared a, a future. Did you know before you even took a breath in this world, before you were even thought about with your, your parents, before you even came into this world, God already wrote your story. And we want you to connect to that story. And that story is full of purpose, and that story is full of hope, and that story is full of good, and that story is full of a productive and effective life that God has laid out for you. And that's what we want to do in this sermon series and to help you connect to that. Not too long ago, I actually read this post uh, from the New York Times, and it, it had this article uh, about young people. Now, they didn't specify what was young people, because in my eyes, I'm still young. Yeah. Come on now, can I get an amen on that one? 
I'm still young. Yeah, listen, listen, youth is just a state of mind. Can I get an amen? Just a state of mind. But they did this article on young people, and in this article, they, they saw that there was an increasing number of young people, men and women, who were frustrated with their lives. Now, mind you that this study that they did, most of the people, most of them come from great backgrounds. When I say great backgrounds, they had two parents. The mom and the dad were in the home. They had a, a great education from high school even to college. Uh, they had great jobs. They had a great salary. They, they, were, they were considered successful in life, but they didn't feel successful themselves. There was an increasing number of people who were frustrated with how their life was going. They, they felt a bit out of touch with their purpose. They felt, they felt a bit out of touch with their meaning, what, what they were here for, what they existed for in their life. Yes, they were successful, but there still was this sense of tension. Now, how many of us have been there before? Life can be going well. I mean well. Your credit score is good. Your student loans are paid off. Whoever is that, whoever is that I jealous you right now. But there's still a sense where we feel a bit disconnected. Even though life is going well, even though life is, is where it needs to be, but still there's a sense of I'm not where I need to be. I'm not where I need to be. See, what I felt that in this, when I read this article, the one thing that was very clear that they felt that life was a bit mediocre and mundane because they felt that they had no purpose in this world. They felt that they had no, no meaning of existence and they were chasing it and chasing it. But it came to the point where their, their chase wasn't, amounted to nothing. But in the kingdom of God, you don't have to chase purpose. Purpose comes to you. See, in the kingdom of God, see, following Jesus, the kingdom of God, where, where Jesus is the reign and the ruler and he's the successor of all things. See, in the kingdom of God, you don't have to chase purpose. You don't have to figure it all out. He's already figured it out for you. He, he's already figured out this life for you. And as we said before, he's already written your life before you even took your first breath. In the kingdom of God, there is this sense where you feel purpose. You feel, listen, I have something to offer. I have meaning in my life. My life is not a waste, but my life is full of nothing but meaning and purpose. Because here's the thing I want you to understand. God puts something in you. If you're a follower of Jesus, God puts something in you that you don't even know. He put a gift in you. When God created you, he created you with a sense of giftedness. He created you with a sense of, hey, I'm putting something in you that you're going to be able to offer to the world, and the world needs your gift. The, the world's going to see your gift, and your gift is going to be able to draw people to the gifter himself. And I want you to know God called you to a life of service, and that service is through the giftedness that he's put in each and every one of you guys. But a lot of us, a lot of us, we're, we're more consumed with our brokenness than our giftedness. We're more consumed with what you did in college or what you did last week. Heck, let's even take it that what you did last night. We all have a sense of we, all, we always identify ourselves by our brokenness. We're always the first ones to put ourselves down. We're always the first ones to say, ah, you know, I, don't, I, I understand, you know, I, I got this going on, I got this going on, but I don't have much to offer. No, the God of this universe says, 
you have a lot to offer. You have much to give into this world. And I want you to understand this. God created you to make difference. God created you to make a difference. And what we're going to find is, is in 1 Peter chapter 4. And Peter's going to help us to understand what that difference-making means in our lives. So let's read it. 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to start at verses 8 through 11. We're going to read in this. Listen to this, friends. Peter's going to help us see, listen, you were created with meaning. You were created with a sense of purpose. You were created just to be basic. You weren't created to be mediocre, but you were created to be good. Because when God created the universe, in a sense of creation, Genesis 1, it said all of his creation was what? Good. And guess who was a part of that? Us. So in 1 Peter, Peter's going to help us to connect. And I love that Peter's going to tell us because Peter was the one who walked closely with this guy that we all know and his name is Jesus. And Peter knew exactly and he heard all that Jesus talked about, all that Jesus told them, all that Jesus did. He knows this. And the one thing he wants his audience to realize and he wants us to know today that we were created with purpose. We were created with meaning. Look what it says, 1 Peter chapter 8, verses 8 through 11. Chapter 4, verses 8 through 11. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Since love covers a multitude of sins. You know what Peter's trying to say? Peter's trying to say, hey, listen, we need to get better at loving others when they fall short. Are you like me that as soon as somebody makes a mistake, you're the first one to point out their mistakes? Are you like me or you're on social media in the comment section trying to tell everybody what they should do and what they need to do? Am I the only sinner in the room today? Listen, I got in a Facebook battle the other day. I felt like an idiot. I felt like an idiot. And you know the one thing, when I, when I get into these, because it's not the first one, because when I get into these Facebook wars, you know, it's about LeBron. Is LeBron the GOAT? And I say, you're an idiot. LeBron is not the GOAT. We all know Michael Jordan is the g -g -g GOAT. He was, go he was the GOAT before the GOAT. Before the GOAT. He is the GOAT. So I'm in this Facebook battle. We're in this Facebook war. And next, you know, for some reason, it went from LeBron and talking about each other's mothers. Like, it was just bad. <laughs> like, how we go from there? Like, what, what happened? How did it turn over there? I started talking about your mama, and then your mama's fat, and then your mama's ugly. I'm like, oh, my gosh. But some of us need to realize, see, Peter, what I love about Peter, Peter, he was around Jesus. He was around Jesus, and he would have heard the words that Jesus spoke in John chapter 13 when Jesus says, love others as I have loved you. He would have heard when, when Jesus says that they would know that you are my disciples by the way that you what? Love. He would, he would, have, heard of, he would have heard this, and he says, love covers a multitude of of sins. So what Peter is trying to get us to understand is that, that, that as we go out into the world and as we go out and do God's work and as we go out and walk in a sense of purpose and mission, which is God's purpose and God's mission, the posture of our hearts needs to be love. Because we're really good at shaming people. We're, we're really good at telling people how bad they are. But Peter reminds us is the words of Jesus. He says we need to learn how to love. Now, love in the sense in the Greek that's, that's in this passage right here, love means agape, the agape 
love. Now, in the Greek, there's many ways to say love. Like, we say love in different ways as well. Like, for instance, I love Chipotle. Hey, come on, hallelujah. Hey, you got a saved man. Saved and sanctified, hallelujah. But anyway, I love Chipotle, but I love my wife, right? There's a different type of love. And in the Greek, there are different ways to understand love. There's phileo love, there's storge love, there's eros love. But Peter says agape love. Now, what is agape love? Agape love means this, seeking the highest good of someone else. You know, what, you, know, you know what I believe Peter's trying to get us to understand? I believe Peter's trying to get us to understand that as we use the giftedness that God put in us, we have to have a posture, not just of love, but we need to be other-centered. We need to be other-centered. Because let me tell you right now, most of the time with the gifts that God put in me, I'm very self-centered. I, I listen, I live my life that it's all about me. You ever heard of the notes with Lexi? Yeah, you ever heard of the notes? Do, re, me. I get stuck on me. I get stuck on me. I don't know any other notes. All I know is me, right? I believe that life is all about me. What are others doing for me? Are they taking care of me? But in the kingdom of God, if we're going to live this purpose, if we're going to live out this meaning, if we're going to live out this gift, we have to have an other's mindset, not a selfless mindset. We have, to, we have to be considerate of other people. That means we got to practice the ways of Jesus. What are the ways of Jesus? What Jesus forgave. Why, is it, why are we so hard to forgive others? Why is it so hard? I mean, when I read the scriptures, like Jesus says, forgive and you will be forgiven. Paul talks about it. Peter talks about it. James talks about it. Every apostle talks about it. But for some reason, we have a hard time. Forgiving. We like to hold this thing called, you ever heard of a grudge? You ever had a grudge with somebody that as soon as they walked in the room, your mind went instantly to hate? You laugh because that's you. That's you today. And so Peter, what Peter's trying to get us to understand, that the posture of walking in the calling of God, here's what I want you to understand. God calls you to live a life of meaning. God doesn't save his people so that people can feel basic. No, he saves us to live the abundant life. And to be a part of the abundant life is walking in the calling that God put in you. But as you walk in it, you've got to have a sense of love. Here's what I understand. We can't serve others well if we can't learn to love well. You can't serve others well until you learn how to love well. We got to practice the ways of Jesus. The ways of Jesus is forgiveness. The ways of Jesus is patience. Anybody stink at patience? Like, really, thank you, mama. Like, you're really bad at patience. Are you the person that when traffic comes, you're the one hitting your, yeah, thank you. You're the one hitting your steering wheel, screaming, yelling all holy words. <laughs> patience. The ways of Jesus. What else is the ways of Jesus? Mercy. Mercy, grace, compassion. Because Peter says, love covers the multitude of sin. No, listen, friends. Love doesn't mean you condone their behavior. Love means you're lifting them up to a certain quality of life. That means you're willing to say to yourself, I am willing to let this go so that you can grow. 
so that you can get better. Friends, if we're going to walk in God's calling, we've got to get better at loving others. In the world today, what is Christianity known for the most? Hey, everybody's, they, 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 when they think about Christianity, the first thing they think about is bigots, hypocrisy. And the reason that I believe that, and I believe it's kind of accurate, because we have lost the sense of what Jesus means by loving one another. We, we have lost the sense of that. And friends, in order for us to draw people to Jesus, because that's the reason why he gives you a gift. The gift is not for you to show off and be an influencer and get a bunch of followers on Instagram and social media and all that. The gift is so that you can point people to him. The gift is so that Jesus can shine through you. Jesus says, you are the salt and the light of the world. Listen, listen, use what I put in you so that you can point people to me. But for some reason, for some reason, Christianity gets a bad rap because we're so quick to point out others' flaws than pointing to Jesus. One day somebody came up to me to church and said, hey, did you know that so-and-so was doing this? And I immediately knew they wanted me to do something about it. They wanted me to reprimand them or do whatever. And I said, hey, let's tell them about Jesus. I said, hey, let's tell them about the almighty God that loves them. Because the last thing that I realized, you know what gets me to change? Love. Why, does, why did Jesus change your life? Because he loved you. He loved you. Jesus didn't say, get your act together or hell is upon you. He says, I love you. And love changed the way we lived. And love changed the way we thought. And love changed the way we served others. We have to understand. We got to get this right. You're probably like, Javon, move on to the next point. I will not. Because we keep missing the perfect love that God has given us. And for some reason, as Christians, we don't let that love flow through us. That love has to be something that we practice daily. In order for love, this type of love, this agape love, in order for this love to be lived out, you must deny yourself. You must tell yourself, it's not about me. It's not about me getting my way. It's not about making, forcing that other person to do what I want them to do. It's about me humbling myself before the mighty hand of God. And in due time, he will lift me up. So Peter gives this, this synopsis of, hey, this calling in your life, this, this walk of faith that, that God put on you and in you, your posture has got to be love. In verse 9, he talks about show hospitality. And in the same way, it means the same thing to love. Right? His whole big thing is that we would love. And then Peter quickly goes to verse 10. In verse 10, Peter says, as one has received a gift. You know, the one thing that I realize is I hear people always, always tell me how bad they were. But I'm always hearing Jesus tell them how loved they are. Isn't that funny? Isn't it, and I also hear that Jesus told them how loved they are, but I also hear Jesus saying how gifted you are. What I put in you. Now, this gift, what he means, it's a spiritual gift. 
It's what we call a, a spiritual gift. In a spiritual gift, what happens is when one comes to faith in Christ Jesus, one, when one believes in his death, in his resurrection, in his ascension, what essentially happens, God gives you faith, but he also gives you a gift. Now, faith is a gift, right? Romans talks about that. Faith is a gift, but then he gives you a gift to go out and tell people about faith. Here's an, as I said before, friends, the reason why God gives us the gift is so that we can be a difference maker in this world. The reason why God gave us a gift is so that we can help build the church. The reason why God gave us a gift is so that we can help build, healthy, uh, uh, build health into our families. The reason why God gave us a gift is so that you can go to your job and make a difference. I remember when I was a young Christian, I remember whenever I would go to, whenever I'd go to work, I would always like to hide my Christianity because I don't want everybody else to know that I was a Christian. You ever been there before? You ever been there before? You ever been there before? You know what I'm saying? You start doing what they do. You're like, oh, I shouldn't do that, but you know what? I don't want to. But the, gifted, the giftedness that God put in you is used so that you can make a difference in this world. Friends, you will never connect to life and life in abundance until you connect to God's mission in this world. And what is God's mission? Listen to this, listen to this. God's mission is to seek and save the lost. That's God's mission. What's God's mission? To find people who are being weighed down with depression. What's God's mission? To lift up the weary. What's God's mission? To raise up those who feel like life is at its worst. And here's what God calls us to do. He says, I want you to come with me so that you can be a blessing to others. That's the call of the church. See, the measure of a church is not how many people come. I love that you're here. It's awesome. It's great. I love seeing your beautiful faces. But the measure of a church is not how many people come, it's how many people are walking in their calling. The measure of a church is not how many people attend, it's how many people are on mission. See, the reason why we come and the reason why we listen to sermons from, 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 from Doc and Sarah and Jake and everybody else, the reason why we do this is so that we can go out and make a difference. So that we can go out to Strongsville and make a difference. We can go out to Brunswick and make a difference. We can go out to North Worldton, Columbia Station to make a difference. Friends, I need you to understand you will never connect to life and life in abundance until you connect to God's mission. God's mission is the reason why we exist. God's, listen, God's purpose is the reason why we breathe. God's purpose is the reason why we get up every day. And I love that Peter tells this church, or church is, because he doesn't write to one church, he writes to many churches. I love that Peter tells them to go out and to use your gift. Now, what's very interesting, what's very interesting, the context of 1 Peter, see, this, these churches, they were in the midst of a lot of persecution. I mean, listen, I don't know if you know this, but not everybody agrees with Christianity. Do you know that? Listen, not everybody likes Christians. And that's what the earlier churches were experiencing. 
They experience a lot of persecution. They experience a lot of hate. They experience a lot of uh, uh, burden, all of this. But I love Peter. Peter says, don't worry about what's going on out there. Worry about what God put in here. Don't you love that about Peter? He says, listen, I know life is hard. And I want to tell you today, I know life is hard. I know life can be difficult. I know your family can be difficult. I know your in-laws can be difficult. I'm just venting. But anyway, can I get an amen, amen, amen? But I want you to understand this. Life is all about focusing on what God gave you and what God put in you. Listen, if we worried about what's going on in front of us so much, then we wouldn't be able to live out the giftedness he put in us. God has gave you a gift. Now, the, the spiritual gift, if you want to know more about them, you can read 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You can, read, you can read Romans chapter 12. They talk about all the, the spiritual gifts. There's a gift of encouragement. There's a gift of faith. There's a gift of generosity. There's all these gifts that you see written in the scriptures. And I want you to understand, friends, God has put something in you to be a blessing to those around you. He put something in you. And what he put in you is worth living. Because the greatest satisfaction is using it. And not only does, a, does Peter say, I need you to use it, but I need you to use it as a good steward. Now, the good steward, what that means in, in the scriptures, whenever they use steward, it means manager. Picture this. Oh, one time when I was 20 years old, my, my friend uh, and his family, they went out of town. And they had this grand idea to allow me to house it. He said, Javon, you seem like a responsible 20-year-old. What? Hey, why is we're out of town? Now, now, now mind you, if you live in Strongville, uh, does anybody know where High Point is, the, the development High Point? That's where they live. So you know when I say High Point, it was a nice house. So they asked me, hey, would you come and house it? Why is we're gone for a couple of days? So with, I remember the, my friend's dad said this, hey, as we house it, uh, I, I need you to know you can have access to all the food in the fridge, to, to, the, to, the, uh, uh, to the pantry where all the little Debbies are. You can have access to the Wi-Fi. Lord knows I need Wi-Fi. And he says, as long as you take care of the house. Now, what would you say? It's my responsibility. Sure, I have access to all of the stuff in this house, but it's my responsibility to take care of the house, right? I didn't do that. So what happened was, uh, your boy, I'm 20, okay? This is before Jesus. Shut up. <laughs> so I had his party, right? And, you know, it's, uh, you know. And guess who, guess, who, guess who ruined the party? Guess who crashed the party? You ready? My mother. Literally. Now, my mother's a saved woman. She loves Jesus. She's been saved, sanctified, all of that. But she wasn't using Jesus' words when she came into that party. <laughs> I can tell you that much. But the goal of the, the, my goal was to take care of the house. And so what, what Peter is trying to tell you is you got to take care of your gift. You got you to take care of your gift. You got you to realize God has entrusted broken, sinful you to go out and to do his work in this world. That, that, that's what Peter is trying to say. Peter's trying to say, hey, I need you to understand you got you to gotta use it, but also you got to take care of it. Now, how do we take care of it? What, what, what does it mean to steward our gifts? Where number one, you got to discover your gift. Some of you, you, you haven't discovered it yet. You haven't discovered it yet. How do you discover it? I, I, I encourage you uh, to take some tests, 
uh, go online and, and, and type in spiritual gift test and, and, and discover your gift. Or just ask someone, right? When I first came to the church, I really wanted to do worship. And my wife told me, no, you can't sing, fool. So, <laughs> Lexi, I'm still waiting on it, okay? I'm still waiting on that opportunity, okay? Right? Ask someone. Ask somebody. Listen, the most honest, listen, people will be honest with you. Hey, do you think it's this? They'll say, no, it's not. It's not. Ask someone. Not only discover it, number two, develop it. Listen, you got to grow in your gift. That means when you use it, every time you use your gift, God is, God is not only doing his great work in this world, he's doing a great work in you. Listen, as you use your gift, God begins to change you. Listen, as you use your gift, where you are now, it's not where you're going to be in five years. As you constantly put the gift into practice and you exercise it every day because part of the Christian life is not just life with Jesus, but life with, uh, through your giftedness for Jesus. So you got to put it into work. Listen, my first sermon sucked. It's horrible. I believe this. Listen, I preach to the youth group. If they are all were Christians after that sermon, they became atheists. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> it was the worst but what happens is, I can't <laughs> but what happened is, Paul was one of my first students. But what happens is, what happens is, as I use it over time, I began to grow. Now, I'm not perfect, but I'm not where I used to be. See, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not just this, this, this superior leader and preacher, but man, God used me in very powerful ways. And I believe this, friends, when you put the work in the gift that God put in you, God will use you in very powerful ways. When you say, God, I'm here, use me. So you know what I hear Peter also saying? I forgot to say this earlier. You know what I hear Peter also saying? There's no such thing as sideline Christianity. See, Christianity isn't just follow Jesus and that's it. No, it's follow Jesus and help others follow Jesus. God is very clear in the New Testament. Do you remember the Great Commission, Matthew 28? Therefore, all authority has been given unto me. Go and make, what? Disciples. That call wasn't just to Peter and Matthew and, and, and all the other guys. That was for you. Listen, friends, when you become a Christian, you become on mission. Not only are you saved, you're also sent. God says, hey, I'm bringing you in, but I need you to help others bring others in too. I need you to put into, put into practice what God put in you today. And I need you to know, God has given you everything you need to do everything you were called to do. Did you notice in, in verse 11, bring up verse 11 for them. Did you notice in verse 11 when um, Peter says, whoever speaks, this is one of the spiritual gifts, speaking, teaching. Whoever speaks as one speaks is the oracles of God. Whoever serves is one of the spiritual gifts as well too as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Here's what I need you to understand is very important. When we serve God, God not only equips us, but he enables us to. Listen, the power of God is on you. The power of God saved you, but the power of God will send you. Listen, every time that I get up here, I never forget, God told me this a long time ago when I first started preaching. God told me this. I remember it was my first sermon here. Anybody remember my first sermon here? It was probably the worst sermon. Am I right, Ed? But anyway, but I, I remember I went to Doc, and I was like, Doc, I'm so nervous. 
You know, at this point, all I did was preach to students. And then Doc tells me this. Doc tells me this. This is one of the greatest things Doc's ever told me. He says, remember the Holy Spirit's on you. It's not you that do it. It's the Holy Spirit in you that does it. It was one of the, the most encouraging things ever. And I remember telling Doc, like, you got a little bit more? You know, you got a little more? <laughs> you know, you got a little bit more than that, you know? But I need you to understand the power of God. The Holy Spirit enters into our hearts, and he leads us, but also he empowers us. Sure, we got to put the work in, but his work is even greater. And he says, listen, friends, I need you to steward your gift. I need you to use your gift. I need you to put it into work. I need you to know that God will empower you. But not only that, listen to what he says in verse 11 at the very end. He says this, verse 11. He says, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Here's what Peter's trying to say. Here's what Peter's trying to say. Peter's saying this, listen. If you have experienced the goodness of God, which a lot of us have, right? Some of us have experienced God's delivering work. Some of us have experienced God redeeming us. Some of us have experienced God uh, renewing us. Some of us have experienced God taking uh, uh, bad things and turning them to good things. We've experienced this. And now what Peter is trying to say, since you've experienced the goodness of God, now live for the glory of God. See, see, now as you live for the glory of God, all that means is make God known. That's all that it means. Make God's power and his wisdom and his goodness, make it known. See, the reason that we use the gift is so that others can see Jesus clearly. Because people got a bad version of Christianity, am I right? Am I right? People got a bad version of Christianity. Well, Christianity is this. The Christianity is that. See, I believe this. I believe this. The gift that God put in you will set all that straight. But you got to use it. You got to rely on God's power. You got to depend on God to be with you, but also to send you. That's the call of the Christian life. The Christian life is not to be a consumer, the Christian life is to be a contributor. The Christian life isn't all about experience. It's about engaging. It's about going out and doing God's work. It's about saying, hey, at the end of the day, through my brokenness, God will reveal his perfection. Through my brokenness, God will reveal his grace and his goodness. Through my brokenness, I remember when I first became a pastor, everybody from college was like, you became a pastor? Bruh. How, how so? How so? But see, all they saw was what I was, what, what I was, not what I, who I am at that moment. All they saw was the past, but God used that moment. God used that situation. God used all of my foolishness, all of my unwise decision, all of that, so that people can see through me, God is real. So that people can see, you know what? God is real. If he can save Javon, Javon, I mean, college Javon, you know what Frat house, Javon, I believe he can save anyone. And that's what he wants to do. Here's what I want to say as we wrap up. That means 20 minutes left. But here's what we say as we wrap up. If you're already serving, good. Thank you. Keep serving. Keep developing. Keep growing. Keep maturing through the strength that God has supplied you.
But some of you don't realize, even though you're working and using your gift, God has put even more gifts in you. God has probably put more in you. But also, I encourage you to partner with us to help others find their gift. I encourage you to partner with us as a church to help others, those who are in this crowd, those who are watching online, to use the very gift that God put in them. If you aren't serving, my question is, are you tired of the mundane? Are you tired of the basic? Are you tired of the normal? Are you tired of the usual? This is what I believe in this message. God is calling you to to, to use you for the good work he has for you. Here's what I want you to pray. Here I am, Lord, send me. Here's what I want you to pray. Here I am, God. In my brokenness, here I am. In my divorce, here I am. In my mess, here I am. I'm right here, God. Use me. In my bad decisions, use me. And all that I've done and all that I've been and all who I've hurt, Use me. And that God uses you, he begins to transform you too. Here I am, God. I'm right here. Send me. Send me and lead me to where you want me to go. Maybe some of you, God is calling you to serve and our kids and our student ministry. Maybe some of you, God is calling you. Listen, I was a youth pastor for six and a half years. Listen, that work is so important. Students, teenagers feel so alone, so alone, but nothing was more satisfying than watching our leaders be present to remind them that God is present. If you're interested in that, I encourage you to see Jeremiah or even Crystal. For some of you, God is leading you to, for some administration. For some of you, God is leading you to be a leader. For some of you, God is leading you for maybe our CC midweek. But God is leading you to, to, to come and to serve maybe at our Parma Heights campus, our new campus that we're starting, that your boy gets to lead. But anyway, a little shameless plug right there, you know what I'm saying? A little shameless plug, you know what I'm saying? Sorry, Doc. But anyway, maybe God is calling you to be a part. Listen, friends, the Christian life is knowing God and making God known. It was one of my favorite quotes about this guy by the name of John Stott. You never heard of him? Look him up, John Stott. He says, the Christian life, in one sentence, is knowing God and making him known. What if that was our call today? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you. We ask that you would abundantly bless us with the gift that you put in us. We ask that you would lead us we ask that you would send us. Lord, we pray today, Lord, that, that we would get in the game. That we would get off the, the sideline and we would get into the game and get, to, and get into all that you're calling us to do. Lord, here I am today, right now. Here I am. Lead me. Lord, today, here I am. Send me. Lord, today, here I am in all of my mess. Use me. And Father, today I pray that we steward all that you have given us and steward it well. Father, I pray that not only will we steward it, I pray that we would learn to love one another better. I pray that we would learn to love each other well. I pray that we can practice the ways of Jesus. I pray that our posture is acceptance.
It's welcoming. It's patience in all that we do. Would you send us? Would you lead us? For your son's perfect name, we pray. Amen.